You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Uh, uh, Broadway stars. Uh, but one of the things that we really wanted to talk to her about, again, like we talked with Paul last week, was about um, uh, Broadway musical you know, musical theater actors, people who focus uh, doing musicals who also do plays. Yeah. And this is really exciting because Ellen was was uh, just last, last season in Pretty Woman and now she's doing a really high profile play for yeah. MTC on Broadway. And she was in the original cast of Kinky Boots, which, you know, I joined Kinky Boots in the final year of the national tour. And, you know, the character that she created is what, it, I mean, it, still to this day, like still iconic. Yeah, it, yeah, and it's still it's, happening. It's the and, track and in the that ensemble. That was my coolest part. That was the coolest part for me about about this interview was just like kind of hearing uh, about how she stands out in an audition room. Yeah, how she has like found her lane. Yeah, and like made this life for herself as a working actress. And um, there's there's a lot to be learned there. And so flattering that she is a fan yeah, of the show. Th- that well, was the coolest part too, was because we, we love that you guys listen to it and and we have a, such a good time doing it. But then to have other you know professionals and friends of ours to be like, hey, no, we really appreciate what you guys are doing, um, uh, and, and you know sending us messages and stuff. It was really exciting. So um, to have her on here was was really hilarious and amazing. And and she's a mom and she's she's played lead roles and ensemble roles. And, yeah. She again teaches all the time. You know, we we try to get a lot of people on this season who are uh, also educators. Uh, we we mm-hmm. want people who are looking into getting into the career or you know, who are in the career who want you know another perspective. We want to talk to a lot of them, and so Ellen teaches all the time, like Anne and I do, and um, so so we're excited to to give you guys this one. Um, I thought we could do a little things we love this week, which is audition stories, because we were talking yeah. about audition stories. And we yeah. got a bunch of, of, of messages from people like, would you you know, give us some audition stories? And I just have to rant about something for a second. I'm going to get what real happened? ranty. Yesterday. Tell uh, me. Was this yesterday? No, it was on, actually on Tuesday. So this is also part of the, the, the world that I live in, and I know it happens to you too, Dan. Um, I went home to Michigan. I flew home to Michigan on Monday. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Flew home to Michigan just to see my family. Hadn't seen them since like July. And I was like, you know, I want to mm-hmm. go back and see my folks and, and my sister. So I fly back to Michigan. I'm I'm having lunch with my mom on Monday. She picks me up from, from the airport. Uh, you know, flew out at like 7 a.m. from Newark, get to Michigan. Mom picks me up. We I go to her office. We're chilling, whatever. And I get a an email that I have an audition back in New York on Tuesday at 5 p.m. No. So I changed my flight. Of course you would. Yeah. See, the difference between Joe and I is that if I got that email, I'd be like, oh, sorry, guys, I'm in Michigan. Yeah. I <laughs> can't make it. Right, and Joe's right. like, hold on. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> Cancel. Cancel. Let me max out this credit card. We're going to get to this audition because he's audition. committed. Exactly. So I, so I fly back on Tuesday uh, to this audition. And it always happens that the old adage in the entertainment industry, industry if you want to get a job, mm-hmm. plan a trip. So I plan a trip and I got an audition. So I show up at this audition and I just want to rant about something. Audition etiquette 101. Okay, so we're sitting in this room and it, and it's for a pretty high profile thing, something that I'm really excited about Not possibly trying to try to do, right? Sure. I, you know, it was a TV job on television. And, and on television. And I, I'm sitting in this room and there's a whole bunch of dudes who look just like me. And it was for a lawyer. And so we're all in suits, right? And and there were like five of us waiting. And this guy walks in and he goes, he looks at all of us and he goes, so hard to think it's not about what you look like right to the whole room and and like two guys laugh nervously because we're all nervous as as hell right, right. everybody's nervous you know and and then he goes to this guy across the, the room that he knows and he goes oh i just saw you in that play bro that was great you were so great in that play really loudly so that every you know we're all trying to read the sides or whatever and and just focus and be quiet and be still to go into this room that is really nerve-wracking and this guy is is commanding the room he's like everybody needs to get to my level he's like this is how i deal with nervous energy i'm loud and i'm obnoxious and i'm gonna make everybody get on my level and it was so infuriating and so i'm just if you this was my was my thing if you go into a room a waiting room just shut up if you see somebody you know, go up to them. Hey, nice to see you. Like, you know, how's everything? Whatever. Be, be like respectful of everybody around you. And this guy, I just wanted, I wanted to like throw the sides down and just punch him in the face. Yeah, that sounds really, that's, that's really complicated because he kind of like 
announced himself yes, in that way. Yes, he announced way. himself. But I have an interesting relationship with this because like I find that I'm better in auditions when I'm not pretending like the person sitting across from me is my enemy. No, like, and that's fine. Like, like yeah. the, the whole like where we sit in this really small hallway and stare at each other and pretend like the person sitting two feet from you is not a human being. Yes. It's hard for me. Yes, so I, me I find I do better when I am like friendly and might have a, a conversation or two, but the commanding the room and being yes. like... And what you're saying, I'm totally into. If sure. you see somebody, you know, across the way and you want to have a little conversation with them or, you know, you know somebody, that's it. I knew three, I knew, uh, I knew like right. three of the guys. Sure. So it was like, you know, hey, how are you? Right. You know, like, you know, welcome, welcome back. I see, you know, he was out of town, you know, this right. guy, whatever. That's great. But this guy made everybody get on his freaking level, which was this really bravado, loud thing. And I just wanted to like shove him out of the room and lock the door and be like, you know, Anyway, so it was because you were just thinking like, "Oh man, I hope that guy doesn't get it because exactly. he's messing with he everybody else's hair." It was such a jerk. It was such yeah, a jerky thing. Really, like, and just like way. read the room. Like if people want to talk, talk. If people want to be friendly, be friendly. But also, right. if everybody, if we all have our headphones in right. and we're all kind of like it was hot in the room, we're all sweating, we're all in suits and ties at like five p.m. on a Tuesday. You know, a lot of people had curtains to get to. Everybody's stressed out. This, you know. Just don't be. It was so infuriating, and I, I went in. I was able to do okay. I, he didn't affect the audition itself, sure. which was good. But um, just don't be a jackass. And this guy was a jackass. So. Yeah. Um, I wanted to tell an audition story this week too. Um, it's sort of two audition stories side by side, and um, the moral of the story is that, uh, or the, the guy guess like the kind of piece of advice that that exists here in the side by side is that it doesn't matter what happens when you're in the room meaning you shouldn't be going into any auditions kind of like worrying about what kind of feedback you get in the room sure could right? be right you could think that it's bad or you could think that it's good right audition a i walk into the room i do all of the sides i do both of the songs after each song inside the director says good Okay, let's do the next one. Okay, cool, great, great, awesome. Meanwhile, in your head, you're like, in my head, I'm, I'm like, I'm not I'm booking this. Wow, right, 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 right. I mean, no adjustment, really, no notes. Wow, Nothing, I must be yeah. awful, right. right? Book the job. Book the job. Book the job. Two weeks later, book the job. Then, do you want to talk about that right now, or do you want to talk about that next? No, like, we'll talk about that comes, like, like when we can talk about Dan it. Dan got a very exciting job. We're really excited about yeah. it. Yeah, we'll talk about it. I have a job in. Uh, in January and February, which is very exciting, um, which we will talk about when we can. Um, but then the other audition was this week and it was for an off-Broadway musical. And I have never, never have I ever had an entire room of people laughing at every single thing that I did. Every oh. single choice that I made, full, oh. full room laughter. That's amazing. From every single creative person in the room. And that doesn't always happen for... Hashtag never have I ever. Yeah, it's truly. And because that also doesn't happen for guys who are traditionally playing the like either romantic parts or like the kind of like the types of roles that, sure. that Joe and I are going into. Not often are they comedic. Normally I'm setting up other people's jokes and I've, I've gotten pretty good at like setting up other people's <laughs> jokes. And this was a character where I actually got to play jokes. And it, and it really worked and it really landed. And um, no callback. Right, right. <laughs> Nothing. You just. I never mean, know. really, just like really, one of the best auditions I've ever given. Did everything I ever, I really wanted to do. And like you're, and no in, you're in your body. And I got that back. I got the feedback back from them, like that you, it was hilarious, and they loved it, and they were all vibing. And you're too tall, too short, too old, too young, too whatever. And that, yep. and that, and like that's the stuff that you sometimes can't see, like in itself. And like so, you know, when you're in it, it right. Yeah. Right. And I guess like the place I wanted to get to with all of that is like, you know, the constant reminder that the work is the actual work. Yeah. The work right. is the actual minutes you spend preparing the audition and the minutes you spend actually doing the audition. Yeah. And that's what you're developing is your skill at auditioning and your skill at performing. Right. And that all of the other stuff that happens after that, which is like, is all positive affirmation. Totally. It's all accomplishment. Right. And that's not the work. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, getting yeah, yeah. the job right, is right. an achievement. Right. That's not the work. Totally. You know, totally. I really love that. And that's like a good one to take away. So even if you think that you sucked and also like I voice cracked in my audition for the university of Michigan, 
Like right. I had a horrible sure. like like uh, voice crack, and and somehow they saw something, you know, and, right. it, and it ended up working out. So right. you just never know. I mean, we have a million stories like that. Yeah. Um. So we'll get to Ellen's interview. I, I lo- that's kind of the stuff that we love this week. Yeah, just, for sure. We had some great audition stories. Um. Keep the questions coming. We we love this. Um. Uh. This interview is 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 the best. And if you can get to see Rose Tattoo, we will see you next week. We have a bunch of great uh, interviews in the can. Not a lot of news, you know, like we kind of said last week, like it's more about the people this, this time of year. We're talking to great people. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're currently now going to stop talking and going to go watch Hocus Pocus and uh, boom, eat uh, apple crisp because we it's hope fall. you're also having a great Halloween. Yes. Happy, happy Halloween. Werewolf <laughs> Bar Mitzvah, spooky I'm Thomas S. Pumpkin. <laughs> Nobody knows what that <laughs> Liam is. Liam knows what it is, and he <laughs> listens to this show. Don't cut that. Love you. Love you, Liam. <laughs> Are you recording now? Because we can we can start we're recording. We're good. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm like Alan, you just came ripping in here and 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 told us all. I want you to tell our listeners all of the things you love about our podcast. Okay, <laughs> I first of all, I I like stand this podcast a little bit. I reached, I messaged you on yes, Instagram. That's how this started. You sent me a DM on Instagram, and you're like, I'm a super fan of the podcast. I'm a and super I was like, fan you're the- you're kind of insane. <laughs> we were doing a Broadway workshop, and we, we saw each other yes. for the first time in a while. And and so I want to talk about that stuff because you do a lot of teaching, and we have a lot of young actors who listen to the podcast, which is great. But um, and you're like, I'm a super fan of your your show. Yeah, I'm like that is hilarious and <laughs> remarkable and we're just gonna have you in here and talk about why you like it so <laughs> um i lo- okay first of all i love it when anyone makes their own work yeah. i'm like that is my biggest thing if you don't have something that you love doing make it get your friends right. get an yeah. iphone i started a web series with 0.00 dollars yep. and yep. you know a camcorder i don't even know yeah right. <clears throat> so I was just, I just get excited when people say, oh, I had this idea because everyone has a million ideas, right. but it's the follow through. Yeah. So, and I love that the title, Guys Who Love Musicals. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, I'll give this, I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. I'm a big podcast nerd and I'm a theater nerd. Right. And so I listened to it and I, I can't remember the first, I guess the first one I listened to was Neil. Sure. Because Neil posted it. Yeah. And then I went backwards and then I texted you a screen cap that said, there are no more available episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, now I'm like, now what do I do? Um, my, my mother has not listened to every episode of our show. <laughs> Like, like Ellen is listening to every episode of our show. And my mom's like, you know, I'll get around to it. I'm like, mom. My mom's like, it's kind of it's kind of long. I could I could do for maybe just the first half. Or, yeah. Well, we know. are still figuring it out a little bit, but I love but, it. I love yeah. that you have your little chit chat time. Yeah. I also love the intro. Yeah. I Dan just l- cut that all together. Intro. Yeah. It's I like, love it, you know. I love you, the mashup. If you don't know every reference, don't right. listen. That's it. Yep. That's then I feel like yeah. for you. Yeah, and I, you know, we never want to like put any any of the listeners down, but it is one of those things. It's like if you don't know what's going on in the intro, then like you're probably not going to know who Jerry Mitchell is as we start talking about right, you totally. know, which is a decent decent segue into your career. So we're just out um, here to educate the people. <laughs> I love the what? education. I <laughs> yeah. loved your guests. Everyone's so different, and I also talk back to podcasts. So there <laughs> you go with that. Like on the street? Or no, like, like I'll talk, I'll listen. Like I was listening to Shoshana yeah. and I, she said something. I'm like, I know, right? Yeah. As if that I'm talking was, to Shoshana yeah, in the room. Right. And actually Eric Bergen had a couple gems and yeah. like, I just, I'm a big yeah. fan. Oh, that's, oh, that's so, so nice. Well, it's so, truly it's so the fun. highest compliment. Yeah, truly. we really did this like for for us yeah. it felt like yeah because we of, knew that if we liked it some people might like it but yeah and and what you said about like creating like we talk about all of the stuff that we want to do this and we'll make yeah. that and we'll write this thing and so little of it has ever come to fruition and then dan i was over here one day and dan was like listen i got these mics we have this wealth of useless information about the broadway community let's sure. talk about it and right. so, and so do it, what you know yeah right. i think amy Poehler has this when i in her book she says do everything, throw yeah. everything against the wall. And yeah. if 5% of it is good, yeah. you're winning. I love it. So right. I just figured like, just keep doing it. And I think it's actually really timely too, 
<clears throat> with all the Laura Spencer mm-hmm. stuff that went on yeah. to hear for young boys to like hear two dudes, <laughs> you know, sitting and talking about something that's not super, you know, what someone would think is manly. And yeah. I think somewhere some little 14 year old is like, <laughs> I could be you guys one that day. Was and have, that was the hope. Was that I like, think it's really like special. 14 year old Joe and 14 year old Dan might like find the podcast and be like, Oh my gosh. We like, you know, I wish, you know, we, I wish that we had something yeah, <clears throat> like this when we were, you know, coming through the ranks. But, we're gonna. We're just gonna keep. But doing here we it. are. Here and we are talking. About it's you. about you. It's not about us. <laughs> it's about you. <laughs> what if that was just the whole thing? They're it. like, and we brought Ellen. So what else did you like? <laughs> it's right? Ellen's yeah. highlight reel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> of but all of your episodes. It's so cool right now because it is nine. It's ten o'clock in the morning. You are about to go to rehearsal yes. for Rose Tattoo. Yes. Um, that press release just came out like this week, I, last week. I and what is Rose Tattoo, Joe? What? What? For the people who don't know, what's Rose Tattoo? Well, I I was gonna have our guest talk about it, Dan. Wow, so argumentative. <laughs> That's what happens when you do interviews in the morning. It's just a little. Well, I was edgy. gonna be like, do I you was... want another cup of coffee? <laughs> I'm good. I was okay. Kind of... okay. <laughs> so okay, this is a play. Yeah. You're doing a play, you, and that is what I wanted to like. You you came in here talking about it. You've done a lot of musicals. You're you know funny musicals, big musicals, ensemble stuff, understudying. We'll talk to, about all of it. But this is a very high profile play, and how's it going? It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's um so it's one of Tennessee Williams more underproduced works. Yeah. Um you know streetcar, you know, yeah, long gla- bit, yeah. glass menagerie yeah. all those things. Mm-hmm. So and I don't know Trip Coleman who's the director kind of um he had done his thesis on streetcar and he had always loved this play and it's a huge play. Yeah. We've actually combined a lot of parts, but what's really magical is it's a female driven play. Yeah. We only have, there's three men in it. There's a couple more in the play that we've like woven out for different reasons. Yeah. Um, but there's three men in the play and I don't know how many women we are, 15 maybe. Wow. So it's quite a big play in terms of what we normally see in a, a play on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's beautiful. Marissa Tomei is playing Serafina, for which I have the woman who played it in the movie. Her name is escaping me, but she won the Academy Award. Mm. And it's just this beautiful play that takes place in New Orleans or around New Orleans mm-hmm. in the 1950s. And it's about immigrants from Sicily. Yeah. And it's about love and death and ultimately finding love again through horrific circumstances. Without giving away too many spoilers, yeah, yeah. no spoilers. Yeah. But it's um, so it's a comedy. It's, yeah, a, yeah. it's hilarious. <laughs> Actually, there are some really funny parts to yeah. it. But it's just beautiful, and it's I think really inspiring for Trip to bring in. There's a couple of us. Andrea Burns is in it. Yep. Uh, Jennifer Sanchez, who's who've also done musicals. He kind of saw past that musical theater stigma. Yeah. And welcomed us with open arms to do this massive play. Because it is kind of a, it is a stigma. The stigma still is there that like, if you do one thing, you cannot do the other thing. And even if it's like TV, like, like famous TV actors, oh, you can't do movies and musical theater people, oh, you can't do plays. And it's just not, we don't think it's real as actors. We're like, we can do everything. We can do everything. And it's kind of convincing those people that, yes, I can just talk on stage. I don't have to sing and dance. And being given that, that, um, the sort of trust and opportunity is, is rare and so freaking cool when somebody's like, Oh yeah, no, you're just a good actor. Like, I don't care about the fact that you were just in this or just in that, or you did this, you know, you know? Absolutely. And I think I didn't know until the podcast that Alex is a dancer. Yeah. Right. So it's like, like, like a great dancer. Right. Yeah. I had no idea yeah. because that's not, not that she's been pigeonholed by any means, but yeah. oftentimes mm-hmm. you would think of her as this like beautiful soprano or something like right. that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's silly to kind of pigeonhole people like that. Right. And maybe some people can't do it. Maybe some people can't cross over, but just giving someone the opportunity to try, yeah, I feel right. like is enough. Yeah, I love when casting directors and directors do that, where they they trust, you know, they're like, you know what, I think I trust you with this, and you totally deliver, you know, because totally. it is, I think that casting directors and people have gotten burned probably so often by people who can't maybe cross over, right? you know? Um, but 
I'm so excited to see it. And it is just such a badass woman cast. Like it is, yeah. it is just like some of the heaviest hitters in yeah. New York and it's yeah, going to be awesome. It's pretty stacked. Yeah. It's, so you got to run to rehearsal, which is so exciting. So we're going to talk to you for a while, but then you're going to get on a city bike and like yes, go to rehearsal. I dropped my daughter off at her first day of school this morning. Oh my gosh. She and cried. then ran home and then ran here and then rehearsal. So she How old just, is your daughter? She's 10. She just started fifth grade. Did, did you cry? Wow. Drop her off? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually did. This is like a big turning point, you know, 10, yeah. fifth grade. When I think back to fifth grade, yeah. mm -hmm. it's like all the little, you know, all the little girl stuff happens and yeah. she's so smart and it's just, it's crazy. Is she, in the, is she an actress? Mm -hmm. Is she interested? I don't know. I think she is. She's an amazing singer. Oh, Her pitch <laughs> is better than mine on my best day. See, that's so she, cool. That's gotta be real yeah. good then. But- Obviously, as a mom, right. I don't want to put her in that world because I don't, you know, I don't want to, I'd be that mom where she didn't get a call back and I'd be like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Hey, uh, so. <laughs> What's the deal? What, yeah. Who got it? Yeah. Oh, Sophie got oh, it? Sophie got yeah, it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I like call Sophie. What's wrong mom. with my kid? Yeah. Huh? What's wrong with my <laughs> exactly. kid? Exactly. Right. Because yeah. you just want the best for your kids. And I. Mm -hmm. Don't have that much bail money because I'd like <laughs> yeah. I'd like be like Sophie's mom. Uh, yeah, no. right. Yeah, exactly. So oh. I hope she does. I hope she. I just you know, as a parent, you just want them to be happy, but you also want the best for them, and you right. don't want your kid to struggle. And I don't think we should paint this business in a way that it isn't. It's we're all very lucky, right? The three of us right now, mm -hmm. but yeah. But I I was listening to an interview with the former head of the New York Philharmonic who is a who is a violin player and he said that when he grew grew up as a violinist in that ultra competitive world, both of his parents were violinists and so he never saw a world where being a violinist was not possible. So it's like you're a, you're a working yeah. actor. Your daughter has grown up seeing a working actor. So she will see your friends and you struggle, but she will also know that it is possible to totally. be a working actor if she wants to be, maybe. Well, there's a funny story about that. So years ago for the Frozen workshop, Rachel Hoffman uh, was like, Lola doesn't want to audition for this, right? And mm. I said, no, her dad would never let that fly. Yeah. And so he had said, I said, nah, it's a pass. And year, this is when she was like maybe five or six. It was like the first workshop. And years later... I told her the story. I said, well, you know, Rachel had asked if you ever wanted to audition for Frozen. And she just kind of like ignored it. And like maybe fast forward two years later, she said, you can tell Rachel I'll be in Frozen now. Uh, okay. I'm ready. <laughs> M Mom, make the call. Like, <laughs> yeah. As, I was like, no, baby, that's not, yeah. I'm so sorry. That's not, that's not how, how it. it yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's literally the first step to like a whole bunch of pain. And yeah. then maybe you could possibly, but she, probably not, you know. Yeah. yeah. And she's oh, like man. grown up yeah. coming to auditions with me. Yeah, she knows, sure. like, she used to call Telsey the green office. Remember when yeah, the wall, the you know, she, yeah. I said, Where do you have to go? I said, I have an audition at the green office. Aww. And so she's just like, she thought an audition was me just like telling them I'll accept the job or something. Like, yeah. I, it was a meeting. <laughs> I want to live in that world. Yeah, I want please. to live in the world. I did. Get there you soon. just show up in an audition and you're like, yes, I'll take this yeah. job. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. It that's was just, amazing. You can tell her I'll take the job now. Yeah. You can tell her that's I'll take so the job. Funny. That's so good. <laughs> I I love that. Well, and she must have basically grown up because you were in Kinky Boots for how long? Six years. Six years. So like that must have been a huge part of yeah. her like and your, yeah. you know, and childhood. So how have you made that? How have you made that possible? Um, the schedule's pretty hard. We know it's eight shows a week. How how are you making it work with raising a kid and doing this? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, when Lola was really little, um, I kind of explained to her that no family is normal. Right. You know, some people have are raised by their grandparents. Some people have two dads, two moms. Some people are in foster care. Some, yeah. you know, everybody, there was one mom in her class who was an overnight warden at Rikers. So yeah. Oh, so I mean, it's, yeah. everybody has a different life. So pretty yeah. early on, I just said, this is our life. Mm -hmm. um, we lead an extraordinary life, but it does come at some sacrifice. Right. Um, you know, I don't get to put her to bed every night, yeah. but you know, all summer long we go on adventures and every time we go to a Broadway show, she gets to go backstage. So 
there's always that trade-off. And, you know, my village is huge. There have been times where I've had to take her to the theater last minute Mm -hmm. and I'll have an amazing stage manager, like, you know, hides her in the room or, um, often on a Saturday, she'll come in with me and maybe go out to go see another show Mm -hmm. and then I'll meet her for dinner. So you just kind of make it work and that's her life. And that's all she's ever known. Yeah. Cause I went back to work when she was five months old. Um, and that's her normal. Right. And right. so it doesn't really, yeah. you know, sometimes she asks questions about, you know, other kids, but it's the, the trade-off is some other normal, you know, quote, normal parents, they don't get home till maybe seven right? and they do a quick dinner, bath, bedtime. Right. I pick her up from school. I take her to her things. I set up her dinner. Then I leave. Yeah. So it's just kind of reversed hours. Yeah. Right. And like and you have, you might have breakfast instead of dinner. Like, you know, your right. hours free during the day. Yeah. You know, like Alex talks very openly about like her dad was home at 5 p.m. every single day mm-hmm. for dinner. And they would sit at the dinner table and they would, you know, and that is just not going to be our life. No. We, there's no world where that's going to happen. So you create your own reality. Yeah. And like, I think about that a lot with like, I, dinner time was so important in my family, but like, you're not really home for dinner time. So maybe make it breakfast. And then yeah. the kids go, oh yeah, no, I, when I grew up, it was breakfast or, you know, right. it was it was adventures during the day, during the summertime. Yeah, right. it's yeah. just different for everyone. And, you know, she has a half day at school and all these other parents are pulling out their hair and I take them all to my house. <laughs> I have like six kids at my house on a half day. I'm like, let's party, let's go to the park, you know? Yeah, so right. that's where I can contribute. Um, yeah is, you know, half days and weekends and days off. I don't flinch when they have a day off or a snow day. Right. It's like a super exciting, like free day we get to hang out. Yeah. Uh, so you just make it work. And I think it's a lot of younger couples who are maybe nervous about starting a family. I just say, you know, the thing that someone told me was it's never a good time. Yeah. You know, a lot of people say, well, it's not a good time right now. It's not, it's, it's never going to be. Right. You just kind of have to make it work. And she's a happy little soul and she's really loved. And she, uh, at Pretty Woman, we had a really awesome group of ladies who loved on her so much. And she would say, "Uh, what are we doing Sunday? Can we swing by and see the girls? Oh, <laughs> like, like but yeah. yeah, can we swing by and see the girls? <laughs> like it was just, oh, it was just, it warms my heart. <laughs> and you know, the Broadway community is so loving and right. so open arms, and that's yeah. that's what she's grown up in. Yeah, so. were your right. parents in the business at all? What are your parents? No, what, yeah, what do they do? Or do my mom is do? in landscaping, and my dad is a contractor. Yeah, so like that—that's just always interesting. And I we talk about this with I I. I I've coined the term the first generation actor, which yeah. is like not a real term, but I like to say he that. Loves that I love it. It's, <laughs> I love it, and I have said it a lot, and and people will roll their eyes, like Dan, but um, it's true. Like how you sort of create this reality from nothing. You know, yeah. it's just the, it's the chosen family, it's the people around you, um, and then hopefully some support from from mom and dad. But it's not you don't have that. You can't look to them and be like, this is how do I do this? And I think that right. that's that's yeah. a real bummer when you when you kind of come to raising a family when you don't have somebody to look to like really look to you sort of look I, I like look at you and Casey Levy and and Wendy Bergamini and these and I'm like okay well I'm gonna call them when yeah. I want to have a family and just like okay so what do I do and they're like, you there's no out. template you at all yeah. everybody's the scariest different. thing would be like not getting work yeah and then having to do a career change when you have this you know that's that my biggest fear about getting myself together to have a family is like well what if I don't know where the money's coming from right that's the part that gets really scary but you were doing this kind of this dream where you're doing a show for a really long time so you had that like constant sense of support but i guess you're saying just like go for it you'll figure it out well i have a little secret uh my first broadway show was meth right yeah (laughs) could you imagine yeah wow um (laughs) it's like breaking bad a little stripping um just like (laughs) just 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 like on thursdays not like a popular day um i so i booked crybaby before lola was born and um I was, when I was pregnant, I was ready to, I'm from the Bay Area, Northern yeah. California, and I was ready to move back. I was like, this is done. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I got my Broadway show. I'll teach. I love teaching. Yeah. And for some reason, we chickened out and we didn't move. And I had, um, and I had my first audition when Lola was like four months or something. And like, my boobs were like National Geographic. I was like, so it was just insane. I was like breastfeeding an infant. I had like, you know, I, 
I hadn't showered in like probably weeks. Yeah. They were like casting a shadow. It was it was awful. <laughs> and I went into this audition and I was I'm truly not exaggerating. My hands were shaking because yeah. I was like, I'm a hack. I also have imposter syndrome, so we yeah. can talk about that which later. We, which we all do. Totally. And I was like, I was called in for a play, and it was Enron, and uh-huh. uh, my hands were shaking. And I was standing outside the room, and I was like, get it together. What yeah. is wrong with you? Like, great, go in there, whatever. And then finally, I remember this moment so vividly. I was, I thought to myself, when this is over, you get to go home to Lola. Right. And oh. she doesn't care. And, <laughs> and she's so perfect. And none of this matters. Right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And I felt this wave of calm. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget where I was standing. I remember exactly what I was wearing. And I just had this calm because it just didn't matter anymore. Mm. And I booked it. Yeah. Right. And... I really think it's because I just stopped caring in that moment. It's you want to do good work and you want to do these great things, but you also have this little tiny human that must be kept alive by you. Right, right. And it just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. And I think that's when I kind of let it all go mm-hmm. and just decided, I think Eric talked about this, just decided to be my own version of me. Yeah. And right. it was like real, real turning point, and I attest that to like becoming a mom. Totally. Yeah, there she goes. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. I, I just love that. Do you need a tissue, Joe? <laughs> do I need a tissue? No, it just listen. it just that was beautiful. Everything else that was beautiful. Stops. Your heart of stone, Dan. Come on. No, no, no. no. That was. <laughs> I was just teasing you. I know. I just love that. It's true, though. It really does. It yeah. just stops it, mattering. Yeah. Did you it feel doesn't. then, like after that, career wise? I mean, because Enron happened. That's a. That's a play on Broadway and it that, was a big old flop it was you know, brilliant but like did, did you feel a like a change then in like the the auditions like after you went into the room after that mm-hmm. did, did everything kind of change yeah. from a creation like really? how did that shift um I'm not a big quotes person but two things have resonated with me over the years and it's go big or go home mm-hmm. And uh, leap and the net will appear. Yeah. Those, I, I'm not a quotes person. I make fun of my girlfriends who like post quotes and stuff. I love a quote. I mean, <laughs> I love a quote. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm serious. I love a quote. But yeah. the go big or go home, yeah. I started treating auditions like little one woman shows. Mm. Um, so right when Enron closed, um, the next. Four days, four days later, my agent said, oh, there's this track open in Priscilla. Do you want to go in for it? I was like, sure. And I just went in there and for, and the, um, creative team are Australian and Mm -hmm. I love Australians. I just think they're such a laugh and they're always up for a laugh. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is my audience. And I just... (laughs) launched into some kind of stand-up comedy routine. Like we were just bantering back and forth and probably like 15 minutes later, the director was like, so are you going to sing first now? I was yep. like, Oh, sure. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I booked that that day. I love it. Bernie pulled me into the back room and cause Enron had just flopped yeah. and I had this, you know, mouth to feed. And so yeah. he told me that day. And then for my kinky boots audition that overlapped with Priscilla and I went in and I sang, um, I'm so excited, but like I was going to kill someone. And it was like, you know, that song pointer sisters. I'm so excited. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So there's the intro and it goes, bum, 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 bum. And they were like, where do you want to do the intro? I was like, oh no, do the whole intro. So I did the whole intro and I just stood there. It's like staring Harvey Firestein and Jerry Mitchell in the eyes. Like, And I didn't move. And I just stared at them. And then I started singing, I'm so excited by the Pointer Sisters. And they just like fell out. And they were just like, but it was go big or go home because they could have thought I was a crazy person. Totally. Right. Which is fair. Absolutely. But they didn't. Um, Oh, I love that. So I kind of just turn, I I go in with an idea, like I've done, you know, my humps by by Black Eyed Peas as a soulful ballad or Perfect. something. So yeah. I just kind of do my own thing. And if they don't think it's funny, then cool. Like 
but I don't want to work with you either. You. Yeah. Um, but well, that's it, you the know, world I want to live in. I want to so not get the job or really get the job. You know, we talk about being boring. We talk about be, like you go into an audition. How did it go? Oh, I felt like I just like a hundred guys did that version of the audition. Right. And I'm trying to get better about being like, oh, I so got it and I know why or I was just so wrong yeah and that's okay too you yeah. know what I mean but right. I think that's that just so kind great. of it just kind of was if the, there was one time I was auditioning with the my humps thing and <laughs> they didn't get it till like halfway through and I was like abort abort right. you jump out the window right right light yourself on fire right. and jump out the window right. immediately right but then they got it yeah yeah right <laughs> So right. it's like swim down, like swim yeah. down, like, right. like, no, stay in it, stay in it. It's horrible. It's horrible. And now it's, now it's It beautiful. could totally yeah. backfire, but you know yeah. what? It just doesn't matter. It's better than being safe. And you know, this segues into something I wanted to talk about, um, because you then, you get this job in Kinky Boots and you create this iconic character of Gemma Louise, <laughs> whom I know very well. Um, I did the Kinky Boots final eight months of the tour oh of the equity gosh. tour so that Gemma Louise was still kicking that mullet was still kicking like <sighs> I don't know probably four years after you finished yeah that, right that show had such a long life but what you were showing them in the room there which is a good lesson for everyone listening is that like you're an artist with ideas yeah and so nice. the director's now like ready for yeah make something right can yeah. you talk a little bit about how that works like people will go see waitress and they're like oh you did such a great job and i'm like i don't i just was doing what two guys before me was doing right right but how does that work when you create the show so the cool thing about kinky boots and jerry having so much faith in us was all of the factory stuff is made up it's all made up. Wow. Entrances, exits, moves. He just turned to us one day and was like, cool, make a factory. You know, all the lit. He didn't have time to say, great, you measure this piece of leather and you move that box. And you it is now set. Yeah. Um, but we just kind of also during tech, when you're in tech for a Broadway show, you have hours yeah. of downtime on stage. And when you put a bunch of creative nut jobs together we're just going to make ridiculous backstories that you would never even know like for example since you know kinky boots so well Gemma louise and don used to be together but he didn't pick her up for the senior prom and she's harbored that ill will all these years but the reason he didn't pick her up and stood her up was that his car broke down and she's never believed it all these years. And every day Don comes in to try and win her affections back at this one part in act two. And she's like, I just don't believe you. And we would like in character have this whole backstory and like Crispin. Did you play Crispin? I was uh, Harry. Harry Crispin. Harry. Well, Harry was Andy Kelso, and then Crispin was his um, factory name, but Crispin had a glue sniffing problem. (laughs) So we weren't, he was, he only pushed carts because he wasn't allowed to be near the glue. That's why I didn't do anything. Yeah. (laughs) So if you asked Andy at the time what he did, we're like, what do you do, Crispin? He's like, I push carts. But it gave us like so much silly joy. Right. Yeah. And Crispin wears headphones, mm-hmm. which I think they cut that like when I started. They there were, were like no uh, tour budget cuts. Yeah, yeah. So he wore headphones. headphones, and it's because um, Crispin needed to hear affirmations from his glue sniffing rehab. Oh I could God. go on, oh, but yeah. Genius. So when you give a bunch of like silly actors agency to be ridiculous, yeah. they're going to take that order. I love it. And it was just, it's just the most fun. And yeah. it's fun for you. Yeah. So it makes your time more valuable, but it also shows in the work and you can see, I will never forget seeing that show. Yeah. yeah. I saw Same. it a couple weeks after the Tony's. And the whole thing was just so alive, yeah, you know, it was really, which special. is just really makes it makes all the difference in the world. And I love that it just came from him being like, OK, you guys figure it out. Yeah. You know, right. which is honestly like like the the CEO mentality, like like the directors, the CEO hiring the best people and just being like, I trust all of you to figure out what you need to do, because I have all of this other stuff to worry about. I always say I think that's Jerry Mitchell's gift yeah. is really hiring positive 
people. You know, we had such a great company in Pretty Woman. It was just positive, like dodo birds. (laughs) And like, it just was, we had so much fun. And I think that's what he's really good at. Um, What's your favorite part about working with Jerry? Sorry? What's your favorite part about working with Jerry? I think just his energy. I have, I've worked with him now for, on three Broadway shows and I don't think I've ever seen him lose his temper or get upset again because he keeps amazing people. There's nothing to get upset about. If there's a light wrong, like Ken Posner's going to fix it. Yeah. You know, if there's a set wrong, David Rockwell's going to fix it. He has the best people around him. Greg Barnes, like we cut so many things and they cut $500,000 worth of costumes out of town. And Greg Barnes, Jerry wanted it to be stripped down. He wanted it to be stripped down. Um, And he didn't want the costumes to be so ostentatious until the end. And, you know, Greg Barnes is, you know, kind of mourning the loss of his brilliant designs. But everybody has the common goal of the best show possible. Right, right. And, you know, it worked. It won the Tony. And it's such a special show. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I I was texting Max Clayton late last night about about I wanted some pretty woman, uh, just dirt, you know, and something to bring up. And, And he was like, honestly, like, I can't probably put things in writing um but uh he said to bring up the hashtag the the devil wears laducas oh yeah, uh, okay okay so possibly. have you seen any of the devil wears laducas uh-uh. so you don't look at my highlights joe uh i just uh, i thought we were this is we'll talk Insta- about this off mic about okay Instagram for, okay, okay cool yeah and joe's, i was gonna joe's talk not good at the, the good and bad of social media is my next question no oh, okay Jesus. so we'll go to that. so <laughs> so my dresser <laughs> That pretty woman um, is sidebar, my dear, dear friend. But we started this backstage antic where I would be incredibly abusive to her. Um, and we called it the devil wears Laducas. Like I would take off my clothes and just leave it in a pile. Yep. Not to be put on the podcast. I was imitating another girl, uh, not in the show, a different girl. Got it. Okay. We're back. Um <laughs> Uh, so I would take off all my clothes and just leave it in a pile and put on my robe and sit down. Oh or if she had to like go to the bathroom, I'd just put my camera on her and be like, where did you go, Tara? She's like, I had to go to the bathroom. Oh, yeah. And I said, is that part of your job description? <laughs> <laughs> it was never me on the camera. It was always just Tara. Oh and I would lay, sometimes she would videotape me and I would like take off my socks and throw it across the room and take off my other sock and throw it across the room. I mean, this went on for a full year. Or she would come up to me and ask me a question and I'd just turn it back on her and be like some miserable answer. I don't, it was just so, and she was always game. Yeah. Or I would, I would just have a video of me. I'd hold up my foot and I'd say, tie my shoe. And she'd be like, that's not, that's not my job. Yeah. And it would just be a picture of me with holding up my foot. Tie my shoe, Tara. My God. A menace. Yeah. And the rest of the girls in the gondola just kind of like, there yeah. they go again. Yeah. And it just turned into like a little mini series. <laughs> <laughs> always now creating though. You always know? always creating. creating. And That's now it. we're doing, we're going to do a, a show called The Devil Wears Laduka. Like yeah. a, like, like a concert. She's a singer as well. And oh, she's cool. brilliant. So. I love it. Yeah. Oh my God. So silly. It just seemed like, and this is another, I, I am bad at social media, but like it looked like it was the most fun you know, backstage a pretty woman. Like you guys, so just fun. a bunch of idiots, idiots running around. And I mean, you know, it it was the it was the combination of people yeah. and specific times off stage. But we also that group, everyone was friends. We vacillated yeah. between dressers and hair, and ba- everyone was cool. We all, you know, were a big. We all hung out in the hair room most of the time. Um, the crew was awesome. Uh, we just, it was, it really, really was a special group of people. Um, don't put that on. Uh, but yeah, we yeah. just, we just constantly had a blast. I had another Instagram series called Max Clayton. Why are you so cute? Mm-hmm. Did you see that one? <laughs> I, that, <laughs> I yeah. would just put the camera in his face and I go, Max Clayton. Uh, yeah. 
And Why are you so cute? Yeah, and then he would just laugh. He start laughing. That was the whole thing. Yeah, it is this little falsetto. Yeah, we got to get him on here. I know I bring up Max like most hours. I think we talk about uh, like most times yeah. of the, like we'll interview people and I'll be like Max Clayton did this. You know, I mean he's just people are like who is Max Clayton? Yeah, it's like okay, right. yeah, you should know who Max Clayton is. Yeah, you yeah, should yeah. know. Exactly. Isn't it the funniest? Like he came back from Boston to Moulin Rouge and then vacation swanged 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 what is the word what's the vacation swang it was a vacation swing (laughs) i like swung Swung. vacation swunged yeah that's good um he just threw in a broadway contract between boston moulin rouge and broadway moulin rouge yeah i looked on instagram one day and he just happened to be in pretty woman yeah and and i was like what's going on he's like no well and a vacation swing for those of you who don't know is a is a swing we talked about that a couple weeks ago who literally covers vacations and leaves of absence and injuries and stuff like that um and and traditionally shows will bring in a vacation swing when they know the show is going to run for a while because the longer a show runs the more people take time off the more people get hurt stuff like that so um yeah so we just popped in and did the show i think that was on the questions episode yeah it was it was we got some information <laughs> wrong, and we're what? just a little bit. We were pretty close. We were pretty what close. There was out? a swing. There was a, a, a swing, swing payment discrepancy. Swing payment discrepancy. Oh, about the standby part when you guys were talking about how the standbys don't get a bump. Yeah. Yes. That the the, um, the standbys get a bump. Uh, the swings don't. Swings get paid to swing. They don't get paid per track. Yes. Unless it's a specialty Unless or a, a principal. principal, right? And that yeah. was the that was the the discrepancy, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, before we move, now that we're in swing talk, I wanted to ask what because uh, people are often interested in what it's like to understudy, and I'm understudying right now, and I have a little bit of uh, pressure to portray roles in a certain way, and you were understudying some iconic people in your career and and how do you navigate doing what you do inside the world of what they want you to do? Yeah, that's a great question because we sort of, we sort of, it's this complicated thing in, with our ego, the, what our job description is and how we see a character. So what we want to do is our version of the character, right? As long as it's within the parameters of the show, we want to make sure we're in the right place at the right time and nobody dies during the show. That's a win. (laughs) But then your artistic self wants to say, but this is how I see the character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then this isn't exactly the way, for example, when I understudied Annalie Ashford, who can be Annalie Ashford? Right. She is her own little beast, right? I had to kind of battle with, do you want me to do an Annalie impression? That feels very faux and I can't do it justice. She's a brilliant comedian in a very different way than I am. And we, we find different things funny, but I am contractually bound (laughs) to do the almost exact show, especially when things are set to music, obviously. But, and then when you only get a handful of times to do it, you know, the first time you do a part, I don't know if you feel this way. Um, you're like, let me just say all the words look like I don't want to kill myself <laughs> and everybody stays alive and, 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 and the musical ends and the curtain comes down. Yeah. Can I please just get that far? Right. And then the second show you're like, okay, cool. Right. I'm still alive. <laughs> so is everybody else. <laughs> and then you kind of like ease into it. So I think it's kind of a battle. I think also, when you are in a show for that long and those kind of eyes aren't on you all the time, you kind of have the liberty to make it your own. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I'm never going to be Orfe. I can't sing like that. Nobody can. But I'm going to do my best version of her kit. Yeah. And my kit together. They're super different. They're always going to be different. Right. But I think that we're kind of on the same wavelength where – you have to go back and forth between doing an impression and doing your own version of it. Mm. It's tricky. Would you agree to that? Is that sort of. 
Yeah, well, it's it's complicated. I think it right? is complicated. It's, yeah, it's really complicated because it depends on the show and it depends on the people. And but I think. Whole, it, 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 Go ahead. No, 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 no. I just think it's also interesting because it's such a part of the career of being an actor. Right. Understudying is is a career. It, and even know. replacing. Yeah, and replacing. I yeah. mean, of course, like you you always just want to, we want to be originating roles and making roles and making plays and doing all these things. But then sometimes you're clipping along and you have to understudy and you have to replace. And mm-hmm. You have to do these things that are career things, not always like what we went to school for or trained yeah. to do. And so I just think it's an interesting question because chances are, if you want to be an actor, you're going to understudy and you're going to understudy for a while. And mm-hmm. then you're going to play some roles and then you're going to understudy again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so how you, you know, how you work through that is very interesting. And yeah, it can be a little bit of an ego poke sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be really great. And it depends on you know, you and again, sweet like you know fans that will come and see the show to see different versions of everyone doing it, and they'll they'll notice the little things like oh you did this different or you know and that's always very sweet and and nice and um it's just nice to kind of be able to spread your wings a little bit mm, and I yeah. think maybe also replacing you kind of find your way. The only difference between the understudy is we just don't get enough uh, more time. Right. You get like eight shows if you're lucky right, or right. four shows or right. a weekend or something. Right, and right. then you try and figure it out. And once you get your footing, you're like, ah, guess I'll do that in three more months. You know, right. Yeah. right. It's, yeah. a challenge. it's a challenge. It's a challenge. And hopefully you have people there to guide you and to help you figure that whole thing out for yourself. Yeah. Um, when we, when we ran into each other the other week, it, we were doing this Broadway workshop, yeah. which is Broadway workshops, an organization that, um, it, for it's kids, kids from when they're really little even, right? Like yeah. it's kids through high school, um, theater master classes, week long acting intensive, all over all the country, yeah. sorts of stuff. And these kids come from all over. You do a lot of teaching. Yeah. You love to teach. Yeah. Talk just, I mean, I wouldn't say like, what's your advice for young actors? Because I, I do want to know what that is. But what do you love about teaching? What do you, what does that bring to your career? And and also what advice do you have as you see high school kids and middle school kids coming through? So I love teaching kids. I hate teaching adults. Ah. Um, <laughs> adults come with their baggage and their questions and their <laughs> walls and kids come with nothing. Yeah. They don't, they just want to be little sponges. Adults kind of want to combat you and adults, you know, you really got to chip away. And kids, when I started teaching kids, there are times when I just get weepy watching them. They're so talented and so open. I remember um, one of my little girls, Carly Gold, she was um, Allison on the Fun Home Tour. Mm-hmm. She came to me with just a little pile of raw talent, and I was like, oof, okay. So we started doing some acting. They have to sing Ring of Keys, right? Mm-hmm. So we started singing about breaking the song down. And if you don't, my biggest thing is I don't talk down to kids. Um, Obviously, I don't want to, you know, make them feel stupid in any way. But I talk to them as if I were to talk to, you know, an adult. We'll say, what is this song about? And who, you know, she sees someone who's different, but she's intrigued. And we broke this song down. (laughs) We broke this song down. And within an hour, this little girl, not because of me, just because she took everything I said and without hesitation or any kind of you know, mind fuckery. Can I say yeah, that? Yeah. Uh, you know, she just did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just started crying because she was just a different person from when she walked in the door yeah. and kids just take it and they just do it. One of my students is in Beetlejuice right now. She covers uh, Sophia Caruso and I've had her since she was eight years old. And when she was eight years old, I said, are we doing this for fun or are we doing this for real? And she was eight years old. She said, I, I want to do this for real. And I said, okay, then let's everything. We're going to study and we're going to work. Everything I say you have to do if you have questions. And she's truly like a second daughter to me. And she made her Broadway debut in Fun Home. And, uh, but that's what you have to say to kids. This is, this is real. The kids are treated just like adults on Broadway. Totally. And they yeah. are asked the same things of us. 
They're generally off book earlier than us. They learn so much faster um, because there's just not all that extra nonsense. We have kids in Rose Tattoo mm-hmm. and they were they learned this little Italian folk song in minutes and we all kind of looked at them like, <laughs> get the fuck out of here, kid. <laughs> I, remember, I need a couple days. I need a couple days. Yeah. I remember my put in some of my put in rehearsals for for Frozen and and Mimi Ryder and the, the girls who were playing young Anna and young Elsa, they were giving 110 yeah. percent at this Thursday put in. Sure. Everybody's in street clothes. Nobody's trying. All the ensembles just kind of walking around so that I can kind of figure it out. And they were giving their full out performance. Why not? Uh, and it, it, and you're like, yeah, we should all be doing what they're yeah. doing. They they're doing it right. We're all being like, oh, I'm like, we need another cup of coffee. I'm kind of being, you know, like. And also, I love that because th- what we do inherently is what we've been doing since we were kids with yeah. make believe and playing play. and pretend and mm-hmm. that word play that we always forget about um, when we're like agents and careers and whatever. And it's actually just like going back to playing. And I want, I wonder if that is also yeah. extremely valuable for you, like you learning from them to be like, they're just playing, you know, not worrying about. I learn from them all the time. I, I learn from them. I learn from my daughter. They're so amazing. My, before I go off on a tangent, my favorite story is in, was in Annie. I coached a bunch of the little kids in Annie. And this little girl, for some reason, Joe Valentine was their kid wrangler, and she was handing out pay stubs. And she said, just give these to your parents. Give these to your parents just on a random day or something. And she said, what is this? And she said, it's your paycheck. And she goes, we get paid? <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. Yeah. Well, why why would they know? No. Why would they right. and that's just the epitome of kids because yeah. they're just they're so excited to be there. Yeah. And sure, like it's a grind for us. It's a job for us. We have a million other things, but at the root of it, we're just playing. Right. Right. And they teach me that all the time. And um one little girl I just had went in for this workshop, but she she kind of wanted, and I actually took her because her parents make her nervous. So I took her because I was like, sure, I'll go. I'm, I'm free. So I took her to the audition, and she didn't get it. She got a couple callbacks, and she didn't get it. And she said, um, I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. And she goes, do you want to see my pictures from Santorini? Oh. I was like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Because yeah. this is way more important. Because look at all these pictures they took in Santorini, yeah, you know? Yeah, right. yeah, right. It was just not. like water off a duck's back. Yeah, see, that's interesting because it's still, I think my biggest rejection of all time was not being cast in The Sound of Music when I was 10. Like, I remember not getting the part. I remember going in for The Sound of Music for like, what is it, no, little the little guy. Kurt. Kurt. And not getting it and being devastated Am was, I, you know? were you a professional kid no i was this is community theater yeah like these this, kids though they yeah, audition three sure. times a week you right, know so sure. they they've got it down to a science that is heartbreaking yes it was yeah. also who's that dude who didn't cast you i don't know should we call him yeah on the podcast be <laughs> like you're not getting any of joe carroll's money yeah well <laughs> no <laughs> one knows what money don't you, you want to call about? him and be like yeah, hey, hey i just want to talk over a couple things yeah Exactly. Joe, Car- Joe Carroll? Yeah. Joe Carroll. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> remember me? I remember you. I remember you. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, it is 1042, and you have to go to rehearsal. Yeah. You have to jump on a city bike and ride across town. I want to keep... I want to sit here and talk to you for another hour, though. You guys so, are so fun. So we'll, like... This is so fun. Thank you for coming. What, what other... You'll have you, to come back on. Oh, wait. Can I tell... Wait. Yes. What do... I was thinking this morning. Oh, when I... I'll tell this story. This will be good for your podcasters. When I first thought, when I first saw you in the bandstand workshop. Oh, yeah. The workshop. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you played that drummer who kept getting hit in the head or yeah. something. Uh-huh. What was that backstory? Yeah, yeah. He he was, um the, the Jeep flipped three yeah, times. The yeah, the Jeep. Yeah, yeah. And that was when I was like, that guy's funny. What's his name? And they're like, Joe Carroll. I was like. He's fucking funny. No. Hey, <laughs> I remember that funny, though. Joe. That was really that good. Worked, it was the workshop. It was at New 42, just with like you playing the drums. Yeah. That was when I first thought you were super funny. And then. This here. is a great time to end. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on this show and just stroking my ego. I, ah, I will I'm come back funny. every six months and do <laughs> podcast highlights and yes. be like, yeah. okay, yeah. guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, here are my favorite things of the last six months and also tell Joe why he's talented. <laughs> it's also super people. It's This is a lot of work. I feel like I want to like tell people, pod, you know, you guys have auditions and shows and, you know, spouses and partners. And then you sit and you edit and it's a labor of love. And 
you know, for the benefit of others. And I just want to say that that's really awesome. And I hope your listeners appreciate it. It's a lot of work. They have all this equipment. <laughs> they have to make sense of all of our ramblings. Oh, so, you make complete sense. This is awesome. <laughs> so, it's, no, this is actually fun. It's This is the same thing of like, I'm sure you've experienced this when you work with your kids that they're just so excited to hear what you have to say. Yeah. And whenever anyone sends us a question or has a thought, about this show and the fact that they're engaged in what we're yeah. doing. It's nice. Also, I do want to point out you're sitting in a waitress t-shirt. Yeah, you are. You're right. like, you're like, just in case you didn't know what just Broadway show I'm in. It is, it is a waitress. In case you think I'm an so, imposter. It's you, so nerdy. Uh, I like talk about yeah. imposter yeah. syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. I did a lot of national tours before, but now I'm on Broadway. So look at my shirt. Will you guys talk about imposter syndrome next time when I'm not here? So totally. that everyone knows well, that all well, actors have imposter syndrome. Yeah. yeah. I think we talked thing. about that with Shoshana too. Didn't yeah. We? I don't watch remember. It, so. I listened to that one. So if there's yeah. something I missed, I need to go back. Well. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Love you guys. Off Thank she goes. you. Thanks, Ellen. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.